Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Parish's Monday, May 9th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black cow. Boone is here with me, a strong jaw. If you're watching live on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Dave. You have consent when it comes to the like button. You always have consent. There's more of us than there are of them. Strong jaw. You had an interesting. What's up? You had a, what's up? How are you? You good? I'm good. Good. Had a long weekend. Feeling refreshed. I'm growing some hair on my head. Hey, uh, congratulations. Happy Monday. It's a great Monday. So far, so good. I can't complain about this Monday. You had an interesting story uh, recently detailing uh, some of the college players who have announced they're in the 2022 NBA draft, but also announced that they are considering withdrawing by the deadline and returning to school. You had 10 players listed, so... As you know, not a lot happened uh, over the weekend in the sport of college basketball. No real notable news. But I did think this list was interesting and would give us some, as they say in the business, content. So we'll just pop right through it and talk through your list. And you started it with uh, a player that I think has an interesting situation. And somebody, honestly, I didn't think about more than two times the entire college basketball season. Yeah. And that's Patrick Baldwin junior you rewind a few years and really maybe even just one year and you know there was a debate in industry circles about who could be the number one pick of the 2022 nba draft and it'd be like uh paulo bencaro um who was mistaken for patrick mahomes this weekend how about that That's pretty tough. <laughs> what a ridiculous situation that was. So it was like either Paulo Bencaro could be the number one pick or maybe Patrick Mahomes, um, Chet Holmgren. And then Patrick Baldwin Jr. was kind of in that conversation. As most people know, he is a five-star prospect who went to Milwaukee to play for his father. Um, he had offers from, among others, Duke. So this is a guy who could have gone anywhere he wanted to go, decided to play for his dad, which I think made sense at the time. Your dad's on the so-called hot seat. You can uh, save his job, get him a contract extension, uh, dominate your league, protect your draft status, and then enter the 2022 NBA draft. That was uh, conceptually how it was supposed to go. Didn't work out that way at all. Uh, Barely played because he dealt dealt with an injury. Uh, When he did play, wasn't great. Milwaukee stunk. Dad still got fired. And now he's trying to figure out what to do do you have him as a projected first round pick right now because i do and from my perspective um i don't want to say that's the cutoff like you could do any of these players can do whatever they want to do it will have no impact on my life whatsoever but if he's a projected first round pick still i think i'd lean toward probably just getting on with my professional life but if he were somebody who's going to slip into the second round I could make the argument that doing a second year of college at a big boy program and proving that you got caught in a not 
ideal situation, but that you're still a high-level prospect who was talked about in the same sentences as Holmgren and Bancaro just about a year ago. Like, I, this is one that I, I, I could actually see going either way. Yeah, you go back to the end of 2020, in fact, and Patrick Baldwin Jr. was the number one recruit in his class, in the same class with, with Chet Holmgren, uh, with Paolo Bencaro. Patrick Baldwin was that dude. We were talking about this guy as a potential number one pick. And a lot has happened with Baldwin Jr., mostly mostly bad. Uh, he had a, an ankle injury in senior season um, in high school, played only a few games, and and that was it. Slid down to, you know, I think it was he finished as the number eight recruit in his in his high school recruiting class. So really still a blue chip recruit. People thought he was still on the lottery radar. I had him as a lottery pick coming into the year. Only played in 11 games with Milwaukee. And even at Milwaukee, it wasn't just that he only played in 11 games. It's that in those 11 games, he wasn't he wasn't a superstar, right? I mean, he shot 26.6% from three. Averaged 12.1 points per game, um, had another ankle injury, missed most of the year. And, you know, I, I think typically with a with a recruit like this, most of the time you just, even if it's a shortened season, you just go to the NBA, you know, you, you know you're going to be a first round pick. I'm not so sure now, given what has happened the last two years and how his seasons have ended prematurely, that he is a first round pick. I have him number 37 on the big board. So right now that is outside my first round projection. I, th I think he is an interesting case in that I would like to see him come back to school to prove, hey, I, I can be healthy for a full season and to prove that he is still legit like a five-star blue chip NBA first rounder. Because what we saw at Milwaukee, he's, obviously he's a prototype shooter. He's six foot nine, great size, great uh, range. And I think... Everything about his game screams NBA, but um, we just haven't quite seen him perform at the level that we've seen previous to the injuries. And I, th I think that's why I have him a number one is I, I think his situation is so fascinating because right now it's if he's going to the portal or he's going to stay in the NBA draft. He's not coming back to Milwaukee. There's been some rumors about maybe North Carolina. I think he would be a great fit, maybe replacing Brady Manick. Um but the fact that I don't think he's a guarantee to be in the first round um, is, is to me, I think, one of the more fascinating cases because of his, his backstory and because of his injury history. If I were a franchise drafting at the bottom of the first round um, that already had an established core, and it's just like, you know, we can take a possible you know, role player type guy, which those guys are valuable. You see them in the NBA playoffs right now, or we can just take a big swing on somebody. Like, I, I might be willing to just take a big swing on on Patrick Baldwin. Like if, I think I had him going to the Grizzlies in my mock draft at 29, maybe yeah. like you, you've already got this incredible young core. Like what if you really hit on a five-star prospect again, that you got at the bottom of the first round? Like what if he really turned into what he was supposed to be? Now you've, I mean, you know, you're set up really, really well. So I would take a swing on him, but I'm not sure an NBA franchise actually will. Like it seems very much up in the air. And if he's sincerely considering coming back to college, and I'll take him at his word, um, at a place like North Carolina, you don't need to do this. But if I were another school, like, as far as I know, the dad's still unemployed. I mean, I would look at, hey, do you need a job? You know, bring your son. Um, because the dad's a legit, you know, this isn't just the father of a prospect who you'd be hiring. The dad's a legitimate college basketball coach. 
And so you could maybe do one of those deals and get a guy who, again, a year ago was thought of as a projected lottery pick. Um, you know, what, whether he would establish himself as that again with a second year in college, again, who knows? But there was a time not too long ago when he was considered one of the best young prospects in the world. And I've got to think some of that is still there somewhere. The second guy on your list, Shaden Sharp, uh, mm-hmm. obviously at Kentucky, um, has entered the NBA draft, but um, has implied that he's going to maintain his college eligibility for now. For me, this one's simple. He's in the NBA draft. I mean, this is a guy who's a projected top 10 pick, maybe even top five. Um, I, I'll just use a, a f- I'll just put it this way. If you really want to play college basketball, should have played it this past season. And if the reason you didn't play it this past season after you enrolled at Kentucky in January was to protect your draft status, well, then why do you want to play next season and risk your draft status? Like, I, I haven't talked to anybody who doesn't think he'd be picked in the top 10 if he remains in this draft. Uh, I'll, I'll be shocked if he doesn't remain in this draft. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's number five on the CBS Sports Big Board right now, and that's probably slightly aggressively um, in terms of in terms of how we have him ranked. But I think a clear top ten guy in this draft. I can't imagine too that he would want to come back for the twenty three draft, where I think the top is is pretty loaded. Uh, Victor Wimbanyana is is a is a clear like a dude, just a, like a clear number one prospect in the in the two uh, thousand twenty three class. So. To me, I think you know people expect that Shaden Sharp is going to forego his college eligibility and and stay in the NBA draft. That is the expectation. He enrolled at the midseason point with Kentucky, didn't play. Um, he, he maintained all along that he was going to come back, and I think that was kind of the intrigue with Shaden Sharp. Uh, you know, but there's there's a video out there that he he just recently recorded a 49 inch vertical leap. So he's just an amazing athlete. Would break the NBA Combine record um, if he's able to do that. The Combine, we'll see if he even even does that. Um, elite shot maker, like former number one recruit in his class before he reclassified. Six foot six, a great shot maker. I mean, if he returns to Kentucky, which he obviously has not completely shut the door on, I think Kentucky has a real case to be ranked number one in the preseason rankings, um, especially with Oscar Shibwe coming back. But I think at this point that is expected to be kind of a pipe dream. Um, I, I can't imagine that he's going to turn down being a top 10 pick to uh, yeah. to come back to school. Yeah, for some of these guys, you know, they're at risk of going in the second round or not being picked at all. So you can actually make an intelligent uh, case for why they should come back for to school, not just to, you know, uh, try to uh, win a Big 12 title or go to the Final Four, but because you can make more money in college right now than you can uh, make playing professional basketball. But when we're talking about a top 10 pick, you know, that's a guaranteed contract worth multiple millions. Like top 10 picks don't usually return to school. And given that Shaden Sharp made a lot of decisions or the people around him made a lot of decisions rooted in protecting the draft status. I don't know why you decide to risk it now. Uh, You know, we'll see, but um, I, I do not expect him to play for the Wildcats this upcoming season. Third on your list, Max Christie out of Michigan state. A five-star guy coming out of high school who a lot of people thought could be a real one-and-done star uh, for Tom Izzo. The truth is he just wasn't. He was an up-and-down player who showed glimpses of of the stuff that makes you think he could be special, but he never consistently did it 
And that's among the reasons why Michigan State um, didn't struggle per se, but like, um, you know, wasn't what quite what Michigan State, uh, what a lot of us thought it would be and, and, and you know, what it, it, it annually is. He's interesting because yeah, I could see him getting drafted in the 20s or something. I yeah. could also see him easily sli- slipping to the second round. And if you're Tom Izzo and you're trying to have these conversations, um, I wonder how much you stress the Johnny Davis story, the Jaden Ivey story. Like there's a couple of guards in your own league who were whatever in their first years of college, uh, came back and had incredible breakthrough sophomore seasons uh, for um, Big Ten powers and elevated themselves to projected top 10 picks. I know you love Ivy more than anybody. And, you know, um, and, 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 you know, he, I, I do think deserves to be at least in the conversation to go first overall. Like you at least got to talk about it. It's not yeah. what I would do, but you got to at least talk about it. Um, if you're Tom Izzo or that Michigan State staff, you know, I, I, I'd be holding in addition to NIL opportunities. And I don't want to have to repeat that every time. Let's just say it goes without saying for all of these guys at these big time programs, NIL opportunities are a real thing that must be considered. So in addition to, you know, highlighting that, um, I would highlight the Johnny Davis story and the Jaden Ivey story and, and, and demonstrate with great detail how much money they made coming back to school. Now, uh, I think Davis had to. Where was he going? Uh, yeah. Ivy Ivy could have been a one and done. I don't know where mm-hmm. he'd been picked, but he could he he would have been picked somewhere just based off of you know the, the way he measures and the athleticism and that stuff. But you know those guys came back to school and made literally millions of dollars by having incredible sophomore seasons. Perhaps Max Christie could be you know the Big Ten's version of that next season. Yeah, Ayu Dzunmu is one, I, I think, that yeah. a similar case where he could come back. You know, he's a former five-star recruit. People thought he's a one-and-done. Uh, came back to Illinois, improved his draft stock, continued to showcase himself as an NBA prospect. And Christie, I think, is is kind of in a similar boat. He's he's not the same on-ball type of guard that that Ayu was, but uh, Christie's really interesting. Six foot six. He looks like an NBA prospect. Um his, his statistics don't necessarily indicate as much. You know, average 9.3 points per game, shot 32% from three. Um, but looks like a guy who I, I think could, even in this draft, be a potential first-rounder. Uh, to me, I think he has he is one of the more true, like, on-the-fence guys. Because with a lot of these guys on this list, I, I, I think I could reasonably make predictions on, like, eight or nine of these guys. Christie, I think, is a, is a real, like who knows what he's going to do because if he stays in the draft, you know, I have him number 23 on the big board, probably going to be a first rounder, right? There's a chance though, comes, comes back to Michigan state next season, takes on a bigger role, improves his efficiency, shows himself as like a clear five-star dude who, who really takes the next step as, as in, in his development. I mean, he's a guy who I think could be a lottery pick next year if he comes back. So that's what I would like him to do, but it's not a it's not a cut and dry case with 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 Max Christie. Um, I think the platform that he's afforded at Michigan State and Tom Izzo, by the way, has like given him a pretty big leash in terms of his development, which I think is really interesting because uh, going back to Jaron Jackson Jr., like he had a quick hook with Jaron Jackson Jr. Maybe it's just big guys in general, but Christie got to play through a lot of mistakes at Michigan State as a freshman, which is not typically what Tom Izzo does. Um, so I, th- I think coming back next year, like that would that would be a really good situation for him. So uh, would affect I think the Big Ten race next season. And if he stays in, I think he's a clear first rounder. But 
a guy who I think could really improve his draft stock if he comes back next year. I'm with you on most of these guys in the sense that I think I could uh, predict, you know, what they're going to do based on just laying out their realistic options and, and making a good choice. Um, Patrick Baldwin, I think he's probably staying in the NBA draft. Shaden Sharp, I think he's definitely staying in the NBA draft. But you get to Max Christie, and that's a real decision that has to be made. Um, a little bit like Ochai Abaji's decision last year. I mean, Abaji probably wouldn't have been drafted last year where Christie would be drafted this year. But he had a real decision, and he made one to come back to school, and it, it obviously benefited him. Um Christie's got to make that decision now. And the next guy on your list, I think, is in a similar situation. Justin Lewis um, out of Marquette. I think you're a little higher on him than most. Yep. Um, you have him as a, a as a projected first rounder. Um, I wouldn't. Um, I don't think most others do, but it's totally reasonable to, to look at him that way. He was obviously terrific um, for Shaka Smart this season. Um, how difficult of a choice is this going to be for, for him, especially if he's being told – there, there is a chance you could go in the 20s. Yeah, I, I have him higher, I think, than most. And if if he is where I project him to be ranked, I think it's an easy decision. Um, he's number 25 on, on my big board. But I think realistically, his range is probably somewhere between like 30 and 45. Uh, so probably like an early second round pick, which makes the decision either to come back or to stay in the NBA draft much more complicated. Um He's a six foot seven wing who shot 35% from three has a long wingspan could defend in space. Those, those guys to me are very valuable in the NBA. We see every single year that teams in the late first round are willing to take chances on guys like that. I think he'll be drafted, uh, you know, whether he, he stays or goes, how high he goes, I think is, um, is ultimately the question. I think it's going to be pretty telling uh, at, at the combine and in pre-draft workouts to see kind of where he ends up, falling in this in this nba draft and, and kind of what range he'll be like if he comes back to to college basketball next year like i think we're looking at a potential all-american player um and maybe a lottery pick next year if he continues to kind of grow and develop in the way that he did this past year um uh, doesn't really feel like there's a wrong decision for him um the fact that he's not necessarily a guy that everyone just automatically knows like oh that's justin lewis from marquette um yeah, I, I think he could improve his perception in that way, just coming back to school and, and maybe building off what he did this past season. But again, there's I don't think there's a wrong decision for him. Um, if he if he's a lock for the first round and he, he hears word from NBA evaluators that that is his range, um, would not be surprised if he ends up going. But again, I have him 25. I'm, I'm way higher than him on most. Um, ultimately, I think just the size, the shooting, uh, the defense is, is what uh, – to me, I think screams first round potential. Definitely has first round potential. I don't yeah. think he'll be told he's a first round lock. I, yeah. I don't think he'll ever hear that unless they're just one franchise that really loves him in the twenties uh, because he is a shooter with size. And I mean, you watch these NBA playoffs. I mean, shooting is so valued now. I mean, there's never been a worse time to be a traditional big and there's never been a better time to be somebody with size who can comfortably make shots from the perimeter and he didn't just make shots from the perimeter at Marquette. Like he made big shots at Marquette. So um, he was good in that moment as well. Um, you know, I, I would, I would lean toward him probably being back in school. Cause I don't think he's going to hear what you might need to hear to, to, to go um, 
to to stay in this this draft. If he's drawing the line at am I a first rounder? I don't. I'd be surprised if somebody promises him that. And, and when you start getting into the second round, and we should be clear because I, I see this all the time. You know, second rounders are guaranteed nothing. That, that's technically true, but second round college, second round picks who are college players, almost always end up with a contract of some sort. So. Yep. You're not guaranteed anything, but you're going to get something. And then, of course, you know, like everything else, he's got to weigh that. Whatever realistically is available to him as a professional, you got to weigh that against what is realistically available to you as a you know college basketball player in the name, image, and likeness space, and then and make a good decision. But um, you know, like Max Christie, he's got um, you know he's got some real things to think through and figure out, and perhaps some of it will be sorted out, you know, in the combine and, and pre-draft stuff. Fifth on your list, Julian Strother at yeah. Gonzaga, who I don't think should enter the NBA draft. You don't? Um, I do not. Okay. Um, but I thought you made a point um, that, if true, um, would be at least a reason to maybe lean that direction. Like, he has shown himself to be very good at a handful of things while being a, um, a role player for an incredible program. You know, it appears if he's back at Gonzaga, his role will be increased, um, elevated a bit, and perhaps you know that won't be great for him. There's an old saying in you know draft circles like, uh, "Don't show them what you can't do until they pay you," and, and and he hasn't really been asked at Gonzaga to show too much of what he can't do, but with an increased role. Perhaps he's asked to do more. And what you find out is that, you know, what everybody thinks is, you know, they'll ask me to do more and I'll show them all I can do. Well, maybe you'll show them you can't do it. And so, you know, do you get out, you know, at a, at a time when your draft reputation has been possibly maximized? Or do you come back to try to be a, to play a bigger role on a prominent team and show that you can be a, uh, a person who has a bigger role in a prominent college team. I, I could, I could talk through that a couple of different ways. Yeah. I mean, six foot seven, small forward, uh, the, the role that he had at Gonzaga this past season, I think accentuated his, his strengths in a way that was really valuable to NBA evaluators. Um, you know, he shot 37% from three. He averaged almost 12 points per game, just a really high level role player. And I think there's some mystique, surrounding him in that oh man he was he was you know chet holmgren was really good andrew nimhard was really good but hey is 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 julian strother like maybe that dude from that team you know and there's some there's some wonderment to him like hey what what could he be in a different situation what could he be in a different system and sometimes those guys turn out to be stars you know maybe maybe comes back to gonzaga next season and he's just an all-american and he's awesome Maybe he comes back to Gonzaga and he's averaging 12 points per game and he's shooting 25% from three. Like, I think there's a realistic chance that, you know, maybe he's, he's maybe not the same guy that people expect he would be in a bigger role. So um, right now I have him as, you know, kind of a late first round, early second round grade. Um, just, just from what we saw from him at Gonzaga this past season, I think um, his, his stock is about, at the point where I would imagine he ends up going. Um, if he, if he wants to bet on himself and come back to Gonzaga next season, I, you know, more power to him. He could end up just being that dude next season for Gonzaga could be the number one option, but 
Um, I, I think the decision is is actually kind of a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more complicated. His role, I think, would obviously increase next season at Gonzaga, especially with, with Chet gone and potentially with Drew Timmy gone. We'll see what happens there. Um, but uh, Strother, Strother's interesting, just in great size, obviously, plays a, plays a valuable role, good shooter, like just an archetypical, like, long wing who can who can be a high level role player in the nba yeah for me um my concern with strother would be that he might not get picked you know yeah. like you you're really fighting like he like you've got him late first early second totally reasonable also might not get picked yeah. and if i'm choosing between might not get picked and you know being a prominent player at gonzaga and capitalizing on those NIO opportunities, I, like I'm probably leaning toward that. But, um, you know, as I've said a million times, uh, what's important to me um, isn't always important to a young person. So I'll, I'll let him figure it out. But uh, the risk there would be he enters the draft and then finds out um, he's not a draftable player. Uh, you mentioned Drew Timmy. He was not on your list, but he's a big topic of conversation. Obviously, All-American who is trying to decide what to do, just like the rest of these players. Ultimately, what do you think he does? I think everybody is assuming right now he's going to be back at Gonzaga, but he surely hasn't said that. I assume he's coming back. Um, Timmy is an interesting one in that you know, I I would not have him as a, as a draft pick. He's not in my top 60 rankings. And I think the current NIL environment is such that he would probably make substantial money at Gonzaga as, as the face of a top five, top 10 program. Um, He's easily, I think probably the most recognizable college basketball player who would be returning next season. So, you know, if if you're Drew Timmy, like you're choosing between, you know, maybe not getting drafted or being the face of college basketball next season, the face of Gonzaga basketball, um, the chance to make, probably hundreds of thousands, if not maybe more. Um, to me, I just assume based off that, that he's returning to Gonzaga. But what else does he have to prove at Gonzaga too? Like he's already an All-American. He's already been to a national championship game. Obviously, he probably wants to win it all and he hasn't done that yet. But outside that, like he doesn't really have too much else to prove. So in that sense, if he wants to turn pro and start his professional clock, you know, I, that, that wouldn't be totally surprising either. I, I think his options would be limited in the NBA. Um, but I've been wrong about evaluating bigs before. Yeah, there's a chance that he ends up sticking or, you know, maybe he goes plays overseas. Uh, either way, I think he's, 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 got a, he's got a long NBA career or a long professional career ahead of him one way or another. Yeah, if I'm Drew Timmy, I, I'll keep this simple. I, I would not have him projected as a top 60 pick either. And by the way, we should point out, um, there aren't 60 picks in this draft. Oh, you're right. Right. So like yeah. everybody keeps saying 60 and I know it's just a, it's just a big round number, <laughs> but like there's a couple of t- franchises that don't have picks. I think, I think we go to 58 this year. So there's only 58 spots to get selected with Timmy. Uh, to me, this is simple. Um, I, I don't think he's getting picked, but he is, could be a star of the, the star of college basketball. Yeah. Like what, what are we doing? And if he can't get that money, at Gonzaga, and I have no reason to think that he can't. But if for some reason, like, the money's not there, the way it's there at uh, Kentucky, or mm-hmm. the way it's there at Miami, if I really can't get that, then I'm just putting myself up for sale. Yeah, You know, I, you know, I would have just... Uh, now, I don't think he entered the transfer portal in time, so, like, that would be a problem. But, like, that's what I would have... If I didn't think I could get the big... Like, yo, Nigel Pack just got 
$400,000 to play at Miami this next season. Like, if I can't get twice as much as that to be Drew Timmy at Gonzaga, I go somewhere else and get twice as much of that to be Drew Timmy somewhere because that's available for him somewhere. He, to me, is the best example of can make way more money and be in a way better situation next season playing college basketball than playing professional basketball because playing professional basketball really might be, you know, G league. I mean, that really might be his life. You know, you could either play on national television twice a week, impact arenas for a top 10 team and be a player of the year candidate or play in the G league. What? Like, nah, this is easy for me. I mean, he could do whatever he wants to do. Like I always say, but drew Timmy, um, it should be, um, it is a blessing for Drew Timmy that he plays in the NIL, uh, in the dawn of the NIL era, yep. because I think the contrast between what's available to him as a professional and what's theoretically available to him as a college basketball player, the difference between those two things is as as, as great as the dis, as, as the difference between those two things for literally anybody in college basketball, I think. So um, I'd be surprised if he's if he's not back in school. But he again, he hasn't said that yet. And easily one of the most marketable college basketball yes. players too. Like super likable. Um, you know, at, at the end of the season in the NCAA tournament, he was doing the the interview and on television. You know, is he's biting his lip every right. two point six seconds, like f word, d word, s <laughs> word. You know, it's just like um, it, his demeanor, the way he comes off, is just like you just kind of like the guy and the, the big mustache, just like the, the burly look, like he's a, he's a very likable person and he's already had some, you know, promotional deals locally, at least in, in Spokane. But I, I would imagine, um, you know, there's going to be opportunities for him. If you're, if you're Drew Timmy and you're not getting opportunities, like what are we doing? I, you know, maybe you start just promoting the life wallet app, just uh, see if you can <laughs> send, send, send the Batman signal to John Ruiz. But um like yeah. I, I mean that sincerely. Like I know the deadline to enter the transfer portal has passed, but like if you are a player like Drew Timmy and you cannot get big money at your school for whatever reason, and again, I have no reason to think that's true. I think he'll get everything he needs at Gonzaga, but you should you should not be there anymore. You should go to a. There are places that exist that will put major money in your pocket, and when you are Drew Timmy, those places should be available to you. So I, I suspect he'll be a, you know, a. a something close to or in excess of a million-dollar college basketball player next season. We'll get into the second half of Boone's list next. Five more names to go, and I might add a few in there as well. But first, word from our sponsors. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching live on YouTube, please don't forget to smash that like button. Knock that out. I'm supposed to remind you more often than I do. But at this point, I don't feel like I should have to. You should just know. So let's make it easy on everybody. Just smash the like button while you're watching live on YouTube. And if you're re-watching this later, like smash it then. Just smash the like button. That's the point. All right. Number six on your list, Caleb Houston from Michigan. Five-star prospect coming out of high school. Projected lottery pick, according to most. Got the Michigan. Just wasn't very good for much of the season. Like, if you were trying to figure out why Michigan underachieved relative to expectations last season, as we talked about many times on this podcast, um, there were a handful of reasons. But the most obvious one was their two five-star freshmen who were supposed to replace the talent that left the pro. Like, they, neither one of them was – they, they were, weren't great college players. They had their moments eventually, but they weren't consistently great college basketball players. And so now Houston finds himself in a – interesting situation because you know 10 years ago 15 years ago maybe even more recently than that if you were a five-star prospect top you know 10 15 guy coming out of high school who had you know plus physical attributes even if you were just okay as a freshman you could enter the draft and they would take you largely based on your high school reputation now they really will you know, a bad season. Like, look at what happened to Imani Bates. Like, I, would Imani Bates be a first-round pick if he were in this draft? I don't think so. I don't think so. And um, Caleb Houston's now in that situation. Um, you can't, I guess, survive on your high school reputation, grassroots reputation with NBA people as much as you used to be able to. Like, I remember Josh Selby was nothing in his one year at Kansas, but, like, still got picked. and the rationale for doing that was like, well, he was a top five player in his class. You know, you know, we'll just take him. And then, it, you know, you find out, well, he was uh, overvalued coming out of high school and you should have paid more attention to his one year at Kansas. There was a reason why he was playing behind some of those guys at Kansas, despite his high school reputation. So NBA people have sort of gotten to a point where you really can go from projected top 10 pick at a high school to undraftable um, after one year of college. And I'm not sure Houston fell that far, but I can't imagine he'd be a first-round pick right now. And I could theoretically see him slipping completely out of the draft. So um, you know, if my options are that or, I mean, the University of Michigan, I'm just going to assume they've got name, image, and likeness rights. Uh, you know, there's massive opportunities and you'd be rejoining a what looks like a top ten team or something close to that. Um, I, if I were him, I'd be back in school. But you know, he's got a, a reasonable decision to make. Yeah, I have I have Houston number forty eight on the big board. So you know, mid mid to late second round pick. That was not where I had him ranked preseason, which was clearly a, a lottery guy, six foot eight, 
a guy who you know profiles as like a, a big wing, exactly what the NBA wants. And he would he was okay in spurts at Michigan, but clearly was not the guy that people expected. At least at least as a freshman, um, just he was just okay. You know, he had some some moments, some some flashes where it's like, oh, okay, I I see it. I see why this guy would be a potential lottery pick, but. It was it was a little too few and far between uh, for Houston, especially a guy who you know was ranked 11th in his recruiting class was a five star recruit. Like everyone expected that he would come in, he would take a huge role at Michigan, and Michigan would be you know just uh, clearly one of the best in the Big Ten and and maybe a Final Four contender. That was not the case this past season. Musa Dibite, his his teammate, also was just okay. Now I think both down the stretch of the season had some flashes and it clearly looked like they were starting to figure things out. But um, I think probably the, the feedback they're going to get is just guessing here is that they're probably going to get, you know, you might be a a late first rounder, but more likely 30 to 40, somewhere in that range, maybe a little bit after that. It, It feels a little bit like both Houston and Musa are going to end up coming back. We'll see if that's the case, but you know, it, it does feel a little bit like they're getting some feedback. They're going through this process. They're learning what it, what they need to do to improve their draft stock potentially for next year or in the future. Um, Hunter Dickinson has already announced he's returning to Michigan. And if Houston and DBT both come back, I think we're talking about a Michigan team that could be one of the favorites, if not that the outright favorite in the big 10, so much talent on that team. Um, and I, th- I think that team what we saw in flashes this season if they're able to kind of put it together and kind of prove that they are the five stars that that, that we once thought they were um then we're i think we're talking about you know just one of the best teams in in college basketball period in, in terms of just from a talent perspective yeah so michigan is waiting on moose and caleb to make decisions kansas waiting on a couple of guys as well uh seventh on your list is christian brown yeah um bouncy wing who can make shots great in transition um, and also Jalen Wilson for me Christian Brown's got a like a legitimately tough decision you know you could go out on top uh, you know does he get picked in the 20s does he get picked in the 30s maybe I don't know I think he'd get picked I think Christian Brown gets picked somewhere for sure I don't I don't know that Jalen Wilson gets picked somewhere and so Brown's got an interesting decision um and I do think this matters at Kansas in a way that it doesn't matter at Michigan, like the threat of being banned from the NCAA tournament in 2023. Does that influence your decision at all? If you're Christian Brown, do you come back to not have an opportunity to be a back-to-back national champion? Maybe, but like that would matter to me. Um, are we playing in the tournament or not? Would, would be a part of my decision-making process. Um, um, you know, right now, I I think the toward the end of the season, it sounded like everybody's just going to go, you know, like they want it all. They're just going to, there's a threat of an NCAA tournament ban. Uh, They'll just, they'll just go obviously Ochai, but also Brown and Wilson. Now it seems less clear to some that, um, that Brown and Wilson will definitely go or like, they really do seem to be more up in the air than I I remember it being toward the end of the season. Um, but I, I guess I'd go. 
I don't know, maybe both just go just to get on with it. Like, hey, we've accomplished everything you can accomplish at the collegiate level. But as you know, Kansas is doing a national championship tour where student athletes are making money. And that suggests that that university has already figured out and might have figured it out a while ago how to really, you know, like 40 years ago, how to <laughs> how to excel in this name, image, and likeness space. And if, if that's the case, then the, the same things we say about some of these players can be said about the Kansas guys. Like, uh, yeah, you could get a two-way contract or maybe even a, you know, a two-year guaranteed, you know, for, you know, $400,000. But you can make more at Kansas than you can make being a professional. So why are you leaving Kansas? Um, you know, give me the numbers on what they could make at Kansas next season, and I can I can help you make a decision. But those guys, I think according to the top 25 and one right now, I just have them both projected to go. But but if you could even get one of them back, it, it it's a real difference maker for Bill Self. Yeah, my my gut tells me Brown's gone, Wilson stays. Um, I actually think Wilson could be picked. He's a he's a really good defender and a really good rebounder for someone his size uh, from from the wing position. Um, Brown to me is interesting because I think I have him thirty first on the big board. So again, like a guy who if he wants to be a first rounder, like truly on the fence. Uh, I feel like I'm maybe a little bit lower on Brown than, than maybe some others. Um, average 14 points per game last season, shot almost 39% from three. He's a really good shooter. Like you mentioned, he's, he's really bouncy. Like I say, he's a white guy who can, who has some bounce. Right. Like, you don't right. see, you don't see guys I, like that very often. I, I think what my friend Bomani Jones calls it is a sneaky athleticism. Yeah. He's sneaky uh, athletic, but yeah. he's like, he's honestly, uh, I'm not comparing them because of their skin color or for it literally any other reason other than this. Um, Christian Brown, like Grayson Allen is more athletic than he got credit for at Duke. Like, yeah, he could make a shot, but like he could also, he had good size. Like Grayson Allen's a big guy and he could, and like, you know, he could dunk on you in transition. Uh, like Christian Brown is, is he's not just your stereotypical White guy, white you know, shooter. He, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like he can make that shot, and come off screens, and all that stuff. But like he's an he's a real athlete, and he, you know, I, I can't tell you how many transition. I mean, I guess I could tell you if I looked it up. But like he he would get out in transition and beat everybody yeah. down the court, dunk on people. Like if somebody tried to get between him and the rim, he could go over them. Like he's a he, he's a like I I. I some of these guys, I don't know if I'll ever see them play in the NBA. Some of these guys we talked about today, I don't know if I'll ever see them play. Christian Brown is going to play in the NBA. First team, all confidence. This dude is just full of swagger. Uh, the Final Four, it was, it was really cool to see kind of up close, like him just talking his shit, you know? Like he just, he loves to get up in people's faces. He loves to just talk the talk, but he could walk the walk too. Um He's honestly like he's I think he's one of those players that I think will be better in the NBA than he was in college. I don't think he's going to be a great defender. Um I'm not entirely sure that he's going to be like a a creator, but I know he's going to be a really good shooter. I've seen what he can do in transition, uh the size, the the ability to kind of run the break, uh the rebounding ability, like all of that to me I th I think I think all of that will end up translating. So, um he Obviously, he has a tough decision. Like, if he's a first rounder, I would imagine he goes. I think he's truly on the fence. I think NBA evaluators will have him in like the 25 to 35 range. 
And uh, he's already cashing in on his name image and likeness from the from the national championship game. Like, and maybe he just has it good and decides that you know he wants to come back. Um, being a potential first rounder, though, like I would I would just venture to say that he's probably gone. Yeah, I, I would think he's gone. And then if you're Kansas, you're hoping you can get back Jalen Wilson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd be surprised Brown's back in college for all the reasons stated. Eighth on your list, Dalen Terry out of Arizona. This is somebody I've got coming back to school. You know, a, a classic, um, really good college player at a great college program um, that doesn't have incredible pro opportunities, at least on a surface level right now. He just... He strikes me as the uh, – I'm not comparing them as players, but this decision strikes me as an Ochayabaji-type decision from last year. Like, you're in a great place. Um, you, you've you got an opportunity to take a leap next season in college. You could, you, you could stay in this draft and maybe be picked in the second round, or maybe not, but you could come back to school and really help yourself a lot playing for one of the premier programs in America. It worked out well for – Ochai, um, I could see Terry making a, a similar decision here. Yeah, and his decision reminds me a little bit of, of Julian Strother's in that he was he was a role player on a really, really good team. Um, shot 36.4% from three last season. He wasn't a star. He wasn't really asked to be a star. But there were some flashes at Arizona, particularly late in the season, where he was kind of that dude. He was taking over. He was, he was putting up some big numbers as a scorer. And this is a this is a tough decision because I think Benedict Matherin is is gone, right? He's he's going to be a, a likely lottery pick. Christian Coloco is staying in the draft, I, w- I would expect. So Terry could be, you know, the, the number one option for an Arizona team that is probably going to be the favorite in the Pac-12, one of the best teams in in the country. Uh, what he showed at the end of the season, I think, was was really impressive. Kind of emerging as as a as a star. Um, we saw some flashes of him being able to shoot it from anywhere on the court. Um, just his, his range, his size, all that to me, I think it has him. I would, I would take him with the first round pick if I had him. Um, because I think if he comes back next year and proves that he's, you know, he is what we saw at the end of the season, still only 19 years old. Um, we could be talking about a lottery pick next year. So this to me is a guy that like Jaden Ivy last year, if you could have talked Jaden Ivy into accepting a promise at like 28th in the draft, how smart would you look right now? Because Jaden Ivey is going to be a top five pick in this year's draft. Now, Dallin Terry to me is, is kind of in, in that similar range where he might go, you know, 25, 35, 40, somewhere in that range. He comes back next year and, and proves that he's that dude. We're talking about maybe a, a top 20 pick or even a, a lottery guy. And um, you're, you're kind of betting on future potential and development. So, uh, to me, he's really interesting. He already looks pretty good as as kind of a role player, like what we saw at, at Arizona this past season. I think that's going to be his role in the NBA, just a role player in the league, given his size and, and scoring ability. Um, that's a, that's a really interesting, I think, for for Arizona, and obviously, I think that's going to impact kind of what the the college basketball landscape will look like next season. Yeah, I'm certain it'll come down to what he hears from you know, different franchises, like if they tell him, and I know some people do have a first round grade on him. I I just wouldn't right now, but like if somebody tells them, yeah, we'll take you 27th, then like get on with it. Um, But if, if his future is less certain than that, he's the type of guy who could come back to school and really help himself the way 
say Jaden Ivey did last season, um, Ocha Abaji did last season, several other guys as well. At number nine on your list, Kevin McCullough, Texas Tech, who has announced he's sort of an interesting situation. He's either going to remain in the NBA draft or come back to college, but not to Texas Tech, either to Gonzaga or Kansas. Um, you know, this is not somebody who projects as a first round pick, um, according to most. Uh, you know, uh, barring a surprise, I'm I'm assuming he'll ultimately pick between Kansas and Gonzaga. I think that's right. I think that's right. I do have him as a top 60 guy. I, I think he would be drafted. Um, really good defender, really good size, kind of does a little bit of everything, but not necessarily great at any one thing. Um, would be a would be an amazing addition for for either Kansas or Gonzaga if he's able to to sneak into one of those programs. Um, Texas Tech has had the number one defense in college basketball last season. McClure was a huge reason for that. Um, kind of played on and off the ball. Very versatile, can shoot the three, averaged 10 points per game last season. Pretty good rebounder for his size. So um, I think he's a guy who is who is going to continue to rise over the next month as the NBA draft gets closer. I think his decision will be legitimately interesting because I think uh, smart teams are trying to maybe keep him a little bit off the radar. Um, he's number 59 on the big board right now. I think he's probably still going to end up as, as like a second round grade. Um, but wouldn't surprise me if ends up rising a little bit during this process and obviously has a huge decision ahead uh, will affect, you know, two of the best programs in college basketball next season, or will it impact what the, uh, what the NBA draft looks like. The last guy you listed Jalen Williams out of yeah. Arkansas, who, um, you know, this is a guy who was terrific uh, you know, uh, down the stretch for the Razorbacks, a big reason why they advanced as far as they advanced in the NCAA tournament, a big reason, you know, why they upset Gonzaga. And he's the type of guy who isn't a first round lock, but athletic bigs are so valuable right now. Um, and I, I could see him really helping himself in, throughout the draft process. Uh, right now, I've got him back at Arkansas, but as you point out, you know, Arkansas seems to have recruited on some level for the possibility that that he's back. They you know, they've loaded up uh, their front court. Um, it, it, this is maybe the toughest choice on the list because uh, you you could come back to school and be uh, a really important piece for a legitimate national championship contender, or stay in the draft and I I don't think there's any I don't want to say no scenario but I'd be shocked if he's not picked somewhere and and possibly you know in the 20s or 30s uh, because he does a lot of things that is that's really uh, valuable um, at the NBA level he's already shown an ability to do a lot of those things I'll put it this way a lot of the stuff that is holding back the Armando Baycotts or Kofi Coburns or Drew Timmy's from being interesting front court NBA prospects like Jalen Jalen Williams has, he has a lot of that stuff. Yeah, for sure. He's got, he's got the, the floor spacing ability. He can make threes. He, he wasn't necessarily effective at doing it, but he can make threes. I think he's got a shot that extends beyond just the post, which is kind of, I think what held back Armando Baycott and some of these other more traditional bigs can defend. Okay. In space. Um, 
He's got pretty good size. It, it is a really interesting decision because, like you mentioned, Arkansas is bringing in four big men uh, in this upcoming class. Uh, they have the number two incoming recruiting class. It's a uh, it's a decision I think will will drastically impact what Arkansas looks like. I think he comes back. If he comes back, he's he's the guy. He's going to take over. He, he's going to remain in his starting spot, but um, he'll have competition next year and given what is coming into Arkansas next season, I kind of think he's just gone. Um, I kind of would miss him though. The SEC leader in charges taken last yeah. year. I mean, just like he was his own show and uh, that, that part, that element was fun to watch. Just like his game is, is fun to watch in general. And I saw I, what his development was this past season for Arkansas, obviously, was it was a difference maker for for the Razorbacks? I mean, they were top ten defense throughout the season. So um, we'll see. I think again, I agree with you. I think this is probably one of the tougher decisions in in terms of what what he does stay or go. I have him in the forties on on the big board. So projected second rounder. Uh, we'll see if he comes back. I think either way, Arkansas is in pretty good shape next season. I would have Arkansas probably as a as a clear top ten team talent wise. I like the way you put it in the piece that this might sound. Uh, like it contradicts each other, but like Jalen Williams is great. Arkansas could lose him and it might not matter that much. Yeah. Um, you know, this happens at Gonzaga a few times uh, where they lose like a legitimate all American and you, and you just go, but is it going to matter? Like I remember a few years ago, Gonzaga's best returning player and a preseason first team all American decided he was going to, uh, leave school and uh, take a professional opportunity overseas. And I had Gonzaga preseason number one. And it was like, okay, Gonzaga just lost its best player. This should be the type of thing that makes you consider somebody else for number one. And I was like, no, I'm just going to leave him number one. Cause I assume Drew Timmy will just slip right into that role and possibly be better. And that is what Gonzaga's coaching staff thought as well. And like that is exactly what happened. Drew Timmy slid into that role and and was better. Now I don't think Arkansas's got a Drew Timmy sitting on its bench, um, but it—they're it, going to be awesome with Jalen Williams if he's back. I think they'll be awesome regardless. I, I, I yeah, I think they're going to be really good. I mean, I will drop them if Jalen Williams doesn't come back in the top twenty-five, yeah. but not outside of the top ten. I'll drop them outside of the top five, maybe, but but not outside of the top ten. Um, if you haven't seen Kyle's list yet, you can find it at cbssports.com. It's over there on the college basketball uh, uh, page. It's a nice list of 10 players who are uh, spending uh, you know, these hours and days and weeks trying to figure out if they're going to return to college or um, remain in the NBA draft. And no matter what they do, these specific players we've discussed, uh, the, the truth is it's already obvious um, we're going to have more players back in college basketball than uh, of this caliber than we would normally have. And that is a direct result in many cases of name, image, and likeness rights. Um, there was a time when a lot of the guys like the guys we talked about already would just be at the point where they're ready to get on with a professional career. Like um, I forget who we were talking about earlier, but you made the point. What else can I do at the collegiate level? Like that used to be a real thing. Like what else can I do at the collegiate level? I think maybe you said this about Drew Timmy. Yeah. You know, what, what, what else can I do at the uh, collegiate level? I don't know. Make another million dollars. 
I mean, that's that's the thing you can do now at the collegiate level. Uh, you know, for somebody like Drew Timmy, pre-NIL space, I would totally understand that. Like, what, dude, I've led the team in scoring and rebounding and been to uh, Final Fours and won conference championships and been a player of the year. And, like, what else is there to do? I don't know, make another million dollars. That's yeah. what else there is to do. And because of those opportunities, we're going to get a lot of these guys uh, back in school. And you should have a, a college basketball season. Uh, unlike most of, of my you know, adult life, which is a college basketball season, returning with a bunch of familiar faces. Um, no American mainstream sport has traditionally had as much roster turnover year to year as as college basketball. And yet, because of um, name, image, and likeness rights, we're going to get a lot of these guys back in school. Uh, so when you see North Carolina's best player, that guy's going to look familiar. Uh, Kentucky's best player is going to look familiar. Gonzaga's best player, we're assuming, is going to look familiar. So uh, I know right now a lot of people are stressed and uh, worn out about the direction name, image, and likeness has, has taken, um, especially coaches. But the byproduct of it is we're getting a lot of really talented guys to come back to college basketball. And you're not going to convince me that's a bad thing. Strong jaw. Strong jaw. Pres- appreciate you being here. Where's you your little me. Where's your little pu- uh, little Pinocchio or puppet or whatever? You got that thing? No, we moved We moved into the new house. So I have abandoned my parents' uh, living room uh, for good. I will never be returning. And I think Pinocchio <laughs> has officially been trashed. So thank oh. God. Well, it was fun while it lasted. It was. Shouts to Devin Dowdy. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck and Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening. I own college basketball podcast, middle of the dumbest. You know, you know what it is. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anyway. You subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars. We need nice reviews there. It's not even close. There's way more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. So please go knock that out. And we're going to talk to you again on Thursday morning. Until then, take care. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.